morning, church. It's great to be with you this morning, and you can go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles. We're going to get there in just a few minutes. But uh, after singing that song, I think I need to say something. Uh, I hope that you continue to come to the place that you realize the incredible gift that it is when maybe life is not turning out like you expected it, or maybe things are not quite coming at you as you had planned or maybe there's a cloud hanging over something in your life right now. But do you know what a gift it is to be able to come in here with the people of God and sing It Is Well With My Soul? Because let's just be real honest, sometimes it doesn't feel like it, right? But it's a glorious truth to be able to sing that together. And I'll just tell you, as one of your pastors, I need it. And I need to be able to sing with you and to be able to hear you singing it is well with my soul because of the resurrected Jesus Christ today. So thank you for singing. Thank you for encouraging me. And I thank you for encouraging one another. Acts chapter 2. We're going to continue on in our series in Acts. We're walking through this great New Testament book. And we're going to continue on. I'll kind of catch you up with the context in just a few minutes. But I'm going to set up what we're going to be doing today with this. Uh, 22 years ago this coming June... Uh, I will celebrate what, for me, apart from knowing Jesus Christ, is the single most important thing in my life. 22 years ago, and in fact, I'll show you a picture up on the screen of what represents that. Go ahead and put that picture. There it is. Look at that young couple. That's a striking young couple, isn't it? That was 22 years ago, and on that day, my wife, you didn't know that was coming, did you? I probably should have asked. But anyway, uh, it's too late now. 22 years ago is when that happened. Jennifer and I were married, and you know what marriage is. It's a covenant relationship between a man and a woman for life. As a part of that day and a part of that ceremony, um, we exchanged vows. We committed our lives to one another. We committed our lives to one another in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, and as a part of that ceremony that day, all of you guys know this, something that happens is the wedding ring. You take a ring and you place it on each other's finger and that wedding ring is intended to be an ongoing public symbol of the covenant relationship that goes on between my wife and me. So the wedding ring is a public declaration of I'm in a relationship, I'm in a covenant relationship. That's what a wedding ring is. Now I'm here, I've been married almost 22 years, if I take this ring off I'm still married if I take this ring and I hand it to a single person, I'm looking for a single person, but I won't call anybody out. If I, if I take this ring and I hand it to someone who's single, guess what? They're still single, right? The, the ring doesn't make you married. It's a symbol of a reality of a covenant relationship that exists. Now today, we're going to talk about something in the New Testament that's very clearly held out to be a symbol, a visible symbol to represent our relationship, our covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's this thing we call baptism. Baptism is discussed throughout the Bible, particularly in the New Testament. We, we come to a place here in Acts chapter 2 that baptism is held out by the early church. It's practiced by the early church and we need to remind ourselves this morning, what's the big deal and the significance of this thing that we call baptism? So for us in Acts chapter 2, let me just quickly review what's going on here. 
Uh, we're still on the day of Pentecost. I know we've been there for three weeks. We're going to be there one more week next week. Acts chapter 2, there's a lot there. But you remember Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, massive crowd has gathered there in Jerusalem. Uh, many that are in that crowd is the same group of people that 50 days earlier were, see, were, were shouting to crucify Jesus. So now this similar crowd has gathered there in Jerusalem. The disciples and the 120, the early church, they've been filled with the Spirit of God. They're now speaking the languages of the world. And Peter, as you know the story, Peter stands forward. He stands up and he begins to preach about a five-minute message on the resurrection of Christ. So he preaches in the power of the Spirit. And that's where we'll pick it up. Just the end of his message, verse 36, he kind of sums up everything that he's declared to this massive crowd there in Jerusalem. And he says, verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God made him, Jesus, the one you crucified, Jesus, both Lord and Christ. Peter clearly holds out this man Jesus. It's not just a man. He's Lord. He's Christ. He's Messiah. He's God. End of verse 36, this Jesus whom you crucified. We saw last week an incredible message, a penetrating truth. The Spirit of God is moving on this crowd. And they cry out, many of them, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, to the very core. They were, they were pierced with this truth about, we, we've missed it on who Jesus is. We've missed it. The Bible says they were pierced to the heart said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? What do we do? Our Messiah, we've missed him. What do we do? Verse 38, Peter responds. Peter said to them, repent. Remember we said that's a complete change of heart, a change of mind, a change of direction. Repentance is a gift Granted by the Spirit of God to open one's eyes, the direction we're going. We turn from that direction. He's saying you missed it about who Jesus is. Turn from your wrong way of thinking. Turn to the person of Christ and believe. Within repentance is the idea of faith. They go together, turning from something to something else. So Peter, in effect, is saying, turn from the lie you've been believing about Jesus. Turn now to this Jesus, the very one that you crucified. He's been risen from the, resurrected from the dead. He's alive. And then he says something. Here's where we're going to camp out for a few minutes. And he says, and each of you, middle of verse 38, be baptized. Be baptized in the name or consistent with or the same idea of saying now to, to be baptized in the name is to be able to say okay now you're going to publicly say through baptism I'm all in with Jesus the same Jesus that 50 days earlier you were shouting crucify him now turn believe and make it public and the way you make it public is through what's called baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. For, the word for means to indicate, baptism does not take away sin, 
Baptism does not grant forgiveness. Baptism is an outward symbol to indicate what, what Christ has now given to me. All that is now mine in Christ. So be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to indicate forgiveness of your sin. You've been transformed. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We can read on, we'll get there in a minute, but you know the rest of the story. On that day, 3,000 people did just that. 3,000 people. The Bible says 3,000 were added to their number that day. So for us this morning, we're going to be incredibly simple, I hope, taken from Scripture. We're going to ask two questions. The New Testament here, one of the most important messages ever preached on one of the most important days in the history of the church... Pentecost, the birth of the church, Peter says, here's what you're to do. Repent, believe, and be baptized. So the question for us this morning, number one, is what is the big deal about baptism? Question number one. And then question number two, according to Scripture, who then is to be baptized? What does the Bible teach about that? And listen, I, I know and I, I totally get it. I, the, the, the majority of us in this room probably are beginning to think, okay, Mike, I understand baptism. I've, I've heard it taught most of my life. But I want you for just a minute to understand. If you've been taught it your whole life and you think you fully grasp it, maybe the message is for you, for somebody else this morning, for you to share the truth with somebody else. But I imagine somewhere along the line, you began to miss it a little bit of what the whole point of baptism is. It's very easy in a place like the Bible Belt to take things for granted and to forget the significance of something as important as baptism that Jesus has given to us. So what's the big deal about baptism? One of the things that's a reality in our culture, even here in East Tennessee, is we tend to either overemphasize something to a fault or we underemphasize. Both are unhealthy. I was even in a lunch with someone this past week, a member of this church, who was saying they they were brought up here in East Tennessee. They, they were part of a church that taught the idea that baptism is absolutely necessary for salvation. That there's no way that you're truly born again if you've not been baptized. So baptism becomes this critical element to say it is not just a symbol. It's not just something to represent salvation it has some kind of salvific value in other words that water somehow washes away sin that's just totally not what scripture teaches but then here's the other side that I think many of us fall into well we know that's not the case so let's just overreact and go over here to the other extreme and let's just underestimate or devalue what baptism is baptism is it's a neat thing it's a really cool photo opportunity we'll get all our family there and we'll celebrate when it's convenient baptism doesn't save it's not that big of a deal I can walk with Jesus without it and we skip over or we or, listen 
we can be guilty of undervaluing or devaluing something that the Bible makes a big deal out of. So we don't want to be guilty of either one. So back to the original question, okay, what then is the big deal about this thing called baptism? I'm going to try to share with you four or five things. Some of these will be a means of reminder, and some of them may be something fresh that you need to hear this morning. Let me share with you a few things about baptism from this text. Number one, baptism publicly identifies us as Jesus' followers. In other words, the initial step, the initial public proclamation that someone is now a follower of Christ, that someone has gone from death to life, that someone has surrendered all that they are to all that Jesus is, all that salvation is, the initial step to identify us as followers of Jesus in the Bible is baptism. Now, the word, as Peter uses it here in the message, it was a fairly common word of the day. Baptism didn't necessarily have a spiritual ring to it in that day. Baptism meant to immerse something, to plunge something. It was used of someone who would dye clothing, to take a white piece of clothing and, and, and put it down into dye. It would be to immerse that, and they would use the word baptizo. It means to take it down, to immerse it. So it was a fairly common word of the day. The idea of that day also meant to um, identify with something. It was the idea of being all in with something. To say you were a follower of a particular teacher or you were the follower of a, a particular group or something like that. You would say, I, I, I'm baptized into that. I, I unify with that. I identify with that. So it was a fairly common word of the day. So for Peter then to stand up in front of this Jewish crowd and to say to them, okay, those of you who now believe in Christ, your first step is baptizo, it is to be baptized. Everyone in the crowd understood, okay, it's not just this empty symbol, it means something. That I now, remember this crowd was made up of a lot of people who 50 days earlier had been saying crucify, he said, no, no, no. Now you are in the same way going to publicly, through the waters of baptism, you are going to identify your life with this Jesus. You're going to publicly say, I'm in with his life, with what he taught, I'm in with his death. I'm in with his burial. I'm in with his resurrection. I'm publicly in with Jesus. And everyone understood that. And we're going to talk about it at the end of the message because it's very, very important. Baptism wasn't underestimated then. It wasn't overestimated then. But it was clear. The Bible knows nothing of a believer not being baptized. And it was so significant in that day, they would even, the, the language would sometimes become so close, that's where cults have taken it, because they would even identify salvation very closely with baptism, not to say that salvation, or not to say that baptism saves you, but it was the representation that you're truly born again. It'd be like me saying to somebody, hey, you got a wedding ring on? Sure do. What does that mean? It means they're married. They're so closely connected. In that day, 
It was the way a person publicly identified initially with Jesus Christ. Now, I've had this question a lot, and I think it's good to, ch- to, to share this with you. When a person comes to follow Jesus Christ as a part of our church, Tri-Cities Baptist Church, I've been asked, why on Sunday mornings do we not line down the front of people who have come to know Jesus? The reason we do that is we try to be as biblical in everything we can do, everything we do as we can. The public profession of faith, biblically, has never been to walk an aisle. It has never been to line people along the front of a church. It has and will continue to be baptism. So when you come to know Christ in this church and someone leads you to know Christ or you lead someone to Christ, the first step is, man, it's not, well, we got to get them down the aisle in front of the church. The first step is, your first step is to be baptized. And in that baptism, you're publicly saying, I am an unashamed follower of Jesus Christ. Okay? The Bible teaches about baptism. Secondly, let me give you a few more truths this morning. Second one is this, Jesus commands followers to be baptized. Where, where did Peter come up with this idea? I mean, the, the disciples say, I don't know what we'll do, we'll just dunk people underwater, it'll be awesome. Where, well, Jesus commanded it. It had been a, a carryover from a Jewish tradition of cleansing, and Jesus now redeems the whole idea of baptism. Matthew 28, one of his last commands, tied into the Great Commission. Jesus says to his disciples there, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, you know this. Jesus came up to them and spoke and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go. Go make disciples of all the nations. Next step, baptize them. Then teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. There's a clear pattern there. Make disciples, they come to know Christ. Next step, baptism to make that public and then this discipleship process that follows where they then are the ones that make disciples beautiful pictures jesus has designed it there so jesus gives that authority to the local church that's why we believe baptism is a part of a local church i'm not talking about in a building that is doesn't mean anything at all but baptism is an ordinance given to a local new testament church and i'll say something else to you this morning And maybe you've never read Matthew 28, 18, and 20 like this. I hope we come to read it like this as a church that believes in the mission and believes in evangelism and believes we are the tools God uses for that. The Bible here causes every believer, watch this, to be baptized and the expectation is that every believer is baptizing others. The idea is this is not given to the elite clergy. Oh, if I can just do my job of getting my friend to the pastors, they'll do it. No, 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 no. The great commission here is believers are baptized. And what's this? Believers are baptizing as well. I'll tell you a dream of mine. I hope it becomes a reality. I plead for this on a regular basis, just like in the book of Acts. Our baptism waters are alive, not with a pastor, but you, the people of God. You're praying for people. You're sharing the gospel with them. You're leading them into baptism, and you bring them into the life of the church where they're disciples. Man, we want that. More and more and more and more of that. Baptism's a part of that. Truth number three, let me give you a few more really quickly. Number three, baptism always follows saving faith. 
baptism follows saving faith. This is a little bit repetitious. Jesus said at Matthew 28, make disciples, baptize them. Peter says, repent, believe, and be baptized. In other words, there's a clear process, there's a clear order that baptism follows salvation. It follows saving faith. It is a symbol of something that's taken place. Now there's significance to that. There's significance to that for some of you in this room right now. There was significance to that for me personally when I was in my early 20s as a part of this church. I was one of those guys when I was nine years old. I grew up in Unicoi Baptist Church. You all know that, the Rock Church, right? Unicoi. When I was nine years old, I was at a revival meeting. I remember it distinctly. The pastor was preaching on Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the fiery furnace. And if you want to stay out of the fiery furnace, you better walk an aisle and pray a prayer. That's all I remember. So that night, to stay out of the fiery furnace, I walked an aisle, prayed a prayer, but I didn't become a Christian at all. And guess what happened? I was baptized. Not too many weeks after that, the church was doing all they knew. It was a good thing. But in my heart, I wasn't born again. Later on in my life, when I was a little bit older and understood, I, I remember distinctly when Jesus Christ became real to me and my eyes were open. I cried out to him in faith and I was born again. I was transformed. And then for about the next eight years after that, I was leaning on my baptism that happened when I was a nine-year-old kid until I got to this church. I was married. I had preached in front of this church and I had a conversation. And Pastor Gene, you may not even remember it, and Pastor Gene, when I shared my testimony, loved me enough to say, well, you understand, you weren't really baptized, you just got wet. <laughs> or something like that. And boy, I wrestled with that. I thought, are you kidding me? I'm, I've, I've preached and I've done all these things. And, but my baptism was not in order. And I had not publicly declared like the Bible called me to do. So as a married guy, a guy who had actually stood and preached, a guy who was a leader, if you will, I was baptized. Let me tell you something. I didn't realize how much that was holding me back in my walk with the Lord because for months I refused to simply obey. Just obey. And I imagine there's a great number of you, even in this room, that that would be very true of you. Baptism follows saving faith. There is an order to it as Jesus has prescribed it. Secondly, with that, there's a little bit of significance. Quickly, we get asked from time to time, why do we not baptize babies at this church? Why do we not do it that way? We have parent-child dedication. We have a commissioning where we commission our parents. We don't baptize babies for the very same reason. There's no way a baby has come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. So we, we believe baptism is something for those who are old enough to understand, place faith in Christ, and then baptism follows that, okay? So let me share with you just a few more truths, and we're going to wrap it up for sake of time this morning. Number four, baptism also does something else. Baptism publicly identifies me with God's family. Acts 2.41 is so clear here. Peter continues on. And, and he says, or Luke writes, the author, he says, So then, those who had received his word, that's Peter's word, the message, were baptized. And that day there were added 
about 3,000 souls. Added to what? The word added here means to join together. It means that you are connected to something that you were not prior connected to. And the verses that follow in 42 through 47, we'll look at those next week, clearly indicate that the believers now, baptism was a public declaration. I have a relationship with Christ. And watch this. In the same way, I now have a relationship with the body of Christ. Acts is very clear about that. There's parts of the rest of the world that are very clear about that. That baptism, if we see baptism, biblically speaking, as this individualistic, isolated event that I can go off in a corner somewhere and be baptized, that's not the whole point of baptism. Peter says, Luke says, they were baptized and baptism, it was a a rite of passage, if you will, to publicly say, I'm in with Jesus And I'm in with the body of Christ. So it continues to get at that Western individualistic idea that I think we all struggle with from time to time. That my relationship with Jesus is private. It's personal. It is personal. I agree with that. But it's never private. And it's never to be lived in isolation. Baptism itself is a picture. That's why we baptize as a part of a church. It doesn't matter where. We can do it here. We can do it in a pond. We do it in a lake. It doesn't matter. The point is it's done in the context of a community. So on that day in Jerusalem... Those believers, and you got to get this, they were publicly, they, listen, they knew they were going to face scorn, they knew they were going to face ridicule, they knew there were 3,000 they were being baptized with, and that brought them great strength and great comfort. They were saying, it doesn't matter what happens to me, I'm in with Jesus, and at the same time, I'm in with these brothers and sisters in Christ, and there was a visible picture of that. So the body of Christ there in Jerusalem was saying, yes, they are us and we are them. We are a body of believers. It was a beautiful picture. Baptism is to be that. That's why membership and connection to a local church is a vital reality to our health and our growth and our maturity. And baptism from the very beginning is to picture that. Beautiful picture. So sake of time, let me, let me give you two more really quick and we'll be finished with this. So baptism, again, it's commanded by Jesus, publicly identifies us with the person of Jesus Christ and his family. Uh, I'm going to skip number five and for sake of time I'm going to go on to number six and here it is. Last point and we're going to finish with this for sake of time and then we're going to uh, do something really neat as a church this morning that I'm excited about. We're going to have an elder conversation and talk about where we are as a church and talk about the future and celebrate Uh, The fact that we are a debt-free church now. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. So let me give you this last point about baptism. Truth number six or five is this. I said this earlier, but I want this to be very clear. That the Bible knows nothing of believers not being baptized. In other words, if you walk through the pages of the New Testament, you specifically walk through the pages of Acts as we are currently doing The idea that baptism for a believer is optional or that's a matter of convenience or it's kind of a whenever I get around to it idea 
is absolutely foreign to the New Testament and to the disciples and the apostles here. Now, the reason that matters, and maybe we don't even get our minds around it, let me just explain that to you very quickly. I want, I want to take you a trip back really quick, 2,000 years to the early church, all right? 120 believers is where they started out. The idea that it was, it was not culturally acceptable, it was not the cultural norm to say, I'm a Christian or I'm a follower of Christ. It was the exception. In fact, to publicly in that day, and you've got to get this, or you don't understand why there's so much weight placed on baptism here in the book of Acts. In that day, to go forward and to publicly say, I'm with Christ, I'm in with Christ, and to do it in such a public way of baptism. Listen, they didn't have churches where the baptistry was inside. They had pools of water all over Jerusalem. They were baptized publicly, and everybody was watching. And when they would be baptized, everyone would know then they are identifying with that Jesus of Nazareth. And the religious leaders would know, okay, there's the ones. We've got to watch out for those guys. Those are now the Nazarites. Those are now those, those followers of Christ. The point is this, and you've got to get this. In that day to go public with baptism absolutely was going to cost you something. And they knew it. So for Peter and the disciples to say to these new followers of Christ whose life was radically transformed by Jesus, now your first step is to be baptized was to say, you're going to publicly declare that you're all in with Jesus. Watch this, parenthetically, no matter what it costs you. And they knew it would cost them something. Church history tells us it cost them something. Remember, they were desperately devoted. They were completely sacrificially devoted, like we're going to see in the book of Acts. So those who were baptized, nobody got baptized in the book of Acts because it was the cool, culturally acceptable thing to do or just what you did in that day. The only people that got baptized in the book of Acts in the early church were those who had been truly transformed by Jesus Christ. And they were not ashamed of it, and they knew the cost, and they were willing to lay it all on the line. So in that day, the idea to the early church of someone being baptized who wasn't truly a believer was absolutely foreign. But the idea of someone claiming to be a follower of Christ and not going public in baptism, the only conclusion in the minds of the church and the disciples was this. What they have is not real. So in that day, baptism was a massive deal because the believers were transformed and were willing to say, I am in with Jesus. I am going public. And what's this? No matter what it costs me. If we were real honest with each other. In East Tennessee, that's really foreign to us. We can't even get our minds around that. There are some of your brothers and sisters out of this church who are currently serving in places that that is absolutely the reality of the day. 
that to publicly identify with Jesus Christ may cost you ostracism from your family. It may cost you being booted out of the village. It may ultimately cost you your life. So when baptism is held out, it is understood with great weight to be something that only a true believer would do. And at the same time, every true believer does it. Because Jesus means that much and we are willing to pay whatever price necessary. See that? So what's the big deal about baptism? The Bible holds it out. It's how we identify with Christ. We identify with his church. It's our public proclamation that we know Jesus. And final question is this. Who then? Who then is to be baptized? Our team's going to come on up and they're just going to begin to play because really this is going to be this very simple response time of the morning and then we're going to enter into a very brief time of conversation with some of our elders. Who then is to be baptized? Well, let me make it very clear. Here's your answer. Anyone and everyone who by faith has become a follower of Jesus and has surrendered their life to Him is to make that public through baptism. Now let me be very clear, not multiple baptisms, just one. The Bible's very clear, baptism is a one-time thing, then represented by the rest of your life, surrendered to Christ. So we're not talking about repeat baptism, but we're talking about that time that you put the wedding ring on and you say, I'm all in with Jesus. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head right there where you're seated for a minute. We're going to have a brief time of response for some of you. Just for sake of distraction, so nobody's distracted, nobody kind of looking around. There's really two decisions here this morning that I want to hold out. One, you may be here this morning and baptism is not for you because you simply don't know Jesus Christ as Master and Lord and Savior. You've never surrendered your life to Him. If that's you, your, your decision this morning is when we dismiss here in just a moment, step out through that door to the left and go to the hub and talk with one of our team that's there. Say, I need to know Jesus. Help me understand what that means. Other decision for some of you in this room, I'm not going to put pressure. It's not manipulative. Here's what Scripture says. Every believer is to be baptized and make that public. Some of you have known Christ for a while. Some of you have come to know Jesus recently. Your next step is baptism. And here's the way I want you to do that. Just a moment, we're going to stand and sing. There's a little card in front of you. It says uh, response card or get connected card. We're going to baptize next week at both campuses and we're going to celebrate baptism. We would love for you to be a part of that as an act of obedience to what Jesus has said. If that's you, simply all you have to do is take that little card, put your information, check the box. I want to be baptized. We will follow up with you this week. We'll set it all up. We'll plan it, schedule it. You can invite your family, whatever. That'll be next week. Let us know that on the card. Some of you here this morning need to take that step of obedience. Some of you are held back even in your walk with the Lord. Because you haven't obeyed simply in baptism. So I'm going to pray for you. Our team's going to lead us. We're going to sing. And some of you need to make that decision. And then fill that card and drop it in the offering basket in just a few minutes. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the clarity of your word. Thank you for what you teach us, what you hold out. Thank you that you love us so much. And I pray for my brothers and sisters. Anyone in this room who needs to make that decision of obedience this morning. That you will guide them and lead them to do that. For Jesus' sake, we love you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.